2: This
0: is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked, episode 482 for February 16th, 2021. Can't figure out what day it is anymore. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, joined by two of my usual guests this week. Of course, Miranda Sanchez. Hello. Hi. And Cam Hawkins. Welcome back, my friend. Um, glad to be back. Well, uh, a quick update for everybody. Actually, there's, there's sort of two housekeeping notes. One's personal, and one's about the show. Uh, let me do the show one first. So, it turns out last week's main conversation, <laughs> the 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 show was titled about. With regard to us wanting a Halo horror game, uh, in response to a a, list, a job listing for a producer title at three four three, turns out that was just for Halo Infinite. So maybe there still is some other Halo project spinning up, but maybe not. Uh, this was in reference to Halo Infinite, so it was uh, before. I did not. I did not get a look at Halo community manager. John Junisek's statement, he said, I did some digging, because of course this bubbled up online, that's why IG ended a story on it. I did some digging and was able to confirm that this is a role for Halo Infinite. It's our standard boilerplate language for job listings. But uh, Miranda, we still want a first-person Halo horror game, yes?
1: Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> I will take that.
0: <laughs> yeah, so forget last week's conversation but also don't because we still want that first person Halo horror game. Uh, and then real quick, the personal note, I just wanted to kind of let everybody know you may have seen the posts on Twitter, you may see me sort of post distressingly from time to time or you may be wondering what's up. Uh, Daisy the Boxer, unfortunately, has a very serious heart condition at the moment. So the I think, I think last week's show I was talking about, uh, oh, you know, if you hear her coughing, just that's what it is it's just a dog coughing turns out she has a very serious heart condition with uh, with fluid in her lungs and that's why she has been coughing so uh, i was at i was up it was a 3 30 a.m the last week i woke up in the middle of the night because she was coughing and ended up taking her to the emergency and that's when the chest x-ray showed the very enlarged heart with uh with the fluid in the lungs so it's been a been a bit of a tough go lately. She's she's home. She's relaxing. She's on some medication. She's being treated by awesome veterinary cardiologist, and uh, we've switched her diet because that it's if I'm lucky it's a this diet induced thing. I won't get into it here, but just kind of wanted to give everybody an update because you know our pets do tend to uh, be a part of unlocked more. They always have been, but now more than ever since we're at home, we got you know, Miranda's awesome, adorable cat will wander into her camera view from time to time. Uh, and sometimes you'd hear, you'd hear Daisy. So she's, she's here, she's resting. And um, I'll take any good, good vibes, good thoughts anybody's got, because Daisy could use them. She's only three and she's, uh, you know, we don't know what the future holds.
2: Sending all that right. good energy.
0: Yeah, thank you, Cam. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a very surprising last several days. But, uh, I do want to go back to thinking about good stuff, having fun. Let's do that with podcast unlocked. There is a lot to talk about in the world of Xbox this week, and I want to start. Of course, I'm starting with uh, this is a this is a a very serious topic that I want to preface this conversation by saying that I don't feel completely qualified to to speak authoritatively to this. So the the conversation we're going to have right now about six days in Fallujah which is a video game that's been announced. And I'm going to tell you about it in a second. I'm going to be speaking to it in this conversation as just someone reacting to a video game. Uh, But there is a lot more to learn about this. There's a lot more to talk about. I know, Miranda, you've been starting to dig into this. Um, But here we go. So six days in Fallujah. Now, if that sounds familiar to you, it's because in 2009, over 10 years ago, the game was announced from Atomic Games, a developer led by a guy named Peter Tomta, who's an ex-vice president for at Bungie from the Halo 1 days before he left and went off to do his own thing. The game was announced. I was working at Official Xbox Magazine at the time. The game was announced at a press event that Konami held. So Konami was going to publish this thing. I remember being. It was in a. It was in a movie theater, as I recall. Uh, and they they show the trailer. They come out, and talk about it a little bit. And I kid you not, I've never seen this in my career before or since. Two weeks later, the game was canceled. There's a nope, not doing it, not happening. Thought it was dead. Uh, you know, obviously, it's it's so it's set in a a very a very real battle in the Iraq War. Uh, that is the 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 participants of which many of the survivors are very much still with us. It is this is not a World War II situation where this is a couple of generations ago, but now it's back. The game is back, still with Peter Tomta, and he's working this time with Highwire Games. Now you might not know who Highwire is. They their one and only game thus far was a was a uh, I believe 2019 VR game for P- PlayStation VR called Golem, which, quite honestly, was pretty forgettable. It just didn't do much. But why Highwire is interesting is because it's founded and staffed by a number of ex-Bungie people, including Jamie Griesmer, who was the combat designer on Halo 1, 2, and I believe 3. He's the 30 seconds of fun guy. When you hear about that that sort of famous thing with Halo, how it's it's 30 seconds of fun, List endlessly over and over that was Jamie. And then another staffer that at, at Highwire is Marty O'Donnell. In my opinion, in my opinion, probably the greatest video game composer around. And now Peter joining them as well. So this thing is back. Uh, and so let me just read you a little bit. I know I'm talking a lot here. I want to get, get Miranda and Cam into the conversation. So it is a tactical shooter. It is a first person shooter. And uh, it is, of course, based on events that took place in 2004 during the second battle for Fallujah in Iraq. They say, designed with accuracy in mind, over 100 Marines, soldiers, and Iraqi civilians have been interviewed to ensure authenticity. The campaign depicts six days of conflict as experienced by the U.S. Marines as they attempted to recapture Fallujah from al-Qaeda. To simulate the battle, the developers at Highwire claim to have created, quote, unique technologies and game mechanics designed to replicate the uncertainty and tactics of modern combat in a way other games do not. So, Miranda, I want to go your way first. Uh, The the reaction to this game, uh, as it was in 2009, has already been very divisive. There are are a number of people who are uh, not thrilled that this game exists at all.
1: Yes, and I think those concerns are very valid. Um, And before we get into like the nitty gritty of this, so maybe new listeners know, like I'm like one of the Call of Duty people here. I enjoy military shooters. I think um, what they're trying to do with this, at least I've seen from quotes from Peter specifically from different articles, mostly from Polygon, was that their goal with this is to take games to a historical perspective and be like, well, why can't games get into the history of military shooters and really put you there and teach you something Sure, absolutely. I think that is very valid and good. And I think that is a huge undertaking. Um, it's very tough. But the problem is they're approaching this as this game is not political. Like they, they took that stance. And maybe some people, maybe you're thinking, wow, that's great. I don't want to hear about the politics of this. Um but inherently war is political. And specifically with this war that is still so close to us and like the effects are still apparent, they're still happening. You can't just say, we're not going to talk about these uncomfortable ramifications because they take away from the story we want to tell, but also say that we're telling the truth and we're trying to be historical. Like what they're saying already contradicts they're doing i guess you could say so like in the trailer it says like they're they're talking about like making the truth known and like just telling these stories and i think you can do that but one of the sticking points for me and um, a lot of things that i've read online so far in the discourse of all this is how they're excluding the use of white phosphorus um so i actually did a lot of digging into this and just kind of looking at how white phosphorus is used in war i know this was a big topic of course when call of duty had it right um but in, uh,
0: modern warfare, right? From yes, the year yes. before last? Yeah, two years ago.
1: Yeah, so it is classified as an incendiary weapon, and it is used for, like, smoke screens and for lighting up areas. Um, it is not technically illegal in some of the things. There's a lot of discourse around that as well and just, like, whether or not it should or could be used because of, like, the chemical effects that happen from it, even though it is an incendiary weapon and not a chemical weapon. Anyway, so... The point of that is in the Battle of Fallujah, this white phosphorus was used. And in Fallujah, it's, you know, a city setting. So you're essentially like using this in a very tight area. And like, they're trying to, you know, use this against their enemies, but there's a lot of civilians there. Um, I think there's also a lot of good research on like the civilian casualties there. And maybe not even good research, not even good enough research about like the civilian casualties here. So this is also dealing with a lot of really heavy stuff And the white phosphorus part of it was so huge. However, Peter has already said that they don't want to have that in this game because, and here's a quote from Polygon from Peter, there are things that divide us and including those really divisive things, I think distracts people from the human stories that we can all identify with, which one, I cannot identify what it's like to be with in war. I can't identify what it's like to have my city under attack. And I think you can try to like, make that understandable but there's no way you can just, like, identify with that human story. I think the human story of suffering, sure. But I think the approach here is just too unrealistic in a way, if that makes sense. Right. Um, and then the quote continues, I have two concerns with including phosphorus as a weapon. Number one is that it's not a part of the stories that these guys told us. So they're interviewing people. So I don't have an authentic, factual factual basis on which to tell that. That's most important. Uh, and then the number two is about sensation. This is paraphrasing. Number two is about sensational types of things to distract from the parts of the story, essentially, that they want to tell. Which is, again, bad, because that means that they are not trying to just tell the truth or a factual game that is set in history and really trying to bring that to light. They have an objective here, and they've already said that.
0: Right. It's a, um, sort of, so, so it's sounding like a revisionist take on this.
1: Yeah, and... I think if you want to tell a fictional (laughs) version of this where you're excluding a major part of this battle, then, you know, that's what they're showing and, but they're show, but they keep saying that this is like the truth. These are these stories. And I think given that and what they've said, like what they've shown versus what they've said, it it just lends to a very pessimistic view of that. And I think that's fair. And I think it's fair, especially if you want to do this. If you want to make video games incredibly serious, if you want to take on history, then you have to be ready for those criticisms. And I think conversations are important. And I hope that if there's somebody out there, I think there's a lot of really great historical games that have been done artistically to give you that human perspective so you can understand and empathize and learn and not necessarily just, identify because I don't think I could really identify. I think that's inappropriate to say that I could identify with somebody who has been in a battle like that. I cannot even imagine. And playing a video game won't necessarily help me with that either, right? Um I think video games are a fantastic medium for putting yourself in the shoes for giving people agency in something. And they can help you understand to an to an extent. Um but I just I guess for me it's like emphasizing that even with this setting You have to be really careful about that because I think it's teaching, but you can never really fully understand that. And I think it's important to separate that. Um, Anyway, I have a lot of thoughts and there's still a lot of more research I'd like to do on this. But I'm curious what Peter will say going forward. Like he is the head of the publisher for this game. So I would actually also like to hear more from the actual development team and hear what their thoughts are on it. So hopefully that's something we can get to soon as well. I apologize that this is long. I did do a lot of research on it even practice this because it is very serious. <laughs> I'm it is. trying to do no, my best it's, like this.
0: It, you know there are people there may be listeners that were there. You know, we may have listeners that fought in this that you know this is a, so this is a you know this is not Call of Duty. You know, I know you you're making the reference to Call of Duty that you know you you like military shooters and this is a a genre that that you enjoy and you are knowledgeable on but yeah, like Call of Duty is fiction. And that is yeah. there is a big difference there between what Call of Duty is doing and what this game is attempting to do. Uh and you, you mentioned there are other games that have that have tried to go the historical route. I want to talk about one of those in a few minutes that that is an Xbox game, that's specifically an Xbox game. But we'll get to that. First, I want to go to Cam. Cam, what what do you make of this so far? I mean, I don't know if you have any sort of familiarity with this historically or if you're kind of coming at this. From just what is this like as a game perspective, but but what were your thoughts on it?
2: Yeah, well, yeah. So for me, I'm not I'm not super knowledgeable on it. Like I was probably like 10 when this battle happened, <laughs> so uh, I was a kid and uh, and things like that. But I think um, I think like Miranda like did great work like educating me on a lot of things as well. Because um, uh, but like I think the main gist is like. Yeah, like you can't make a you can't make a a game based off of a real life war that's like based off a true story and then say it, like it's not political because like again like what Miranda said war is there's a political objective to going to war with someone uh, you know whatever it may be and I I agree that like you can't like cut corners to try and say like oh yeah this is this is true but we're not doing this truth of the story because it doesn't fit like, cause, cause the thing is is like, and again, I haven't looked into it. Like, are these characters that, that are like, you no, know, the story's taking place of? Are these the actual soldiers that they interviewed? And it's it seemed like, like their... it from
0: the trailer. Yeah. Cause it's yeah, their actual, it's like their actual experience the yeah.
2: with it. So like, it's one of those things where, where I could, I could, I could see, you know, like, I don't know how many, how many soldiers were a part of that battle. You know, I, 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 I don't, but I could see, you know, like there being a lot more than like, you know, a hundred, which they, they, you know, they, that they interviewed for, and that's including like the Iraqi civilians and things like that. Um, but you like, you know, so there is a chance that, that, that those soldiers didn't experience like white phosphorus, whatever it may be. But I still think that like, you know, like, let's just say that, we give them that, like, okay, sure, like, all these people didn't experience that. At least mention it, like, mention that this exists, like, mention that this is something that, like, happened, excuse me, happened, just to, like, completely remove the fact that, like, that is a weapon that was used that probably, like, killed, like, those civilians during that battle, like, it's just, like, something that I think that, you know, we as um, Americans, and especially, like, from the military aspect, just need to accept that like that is something that we did, and we have to like face the consequences or like the you know, the reaction to to doing that, you know. Um, so it, it it's it's one of those things where it's I am not qualified. I am not fully qualified to talk about this uh, on an educational level. um i am I would did not I was not there when it happened. I know people personally that were there when it happened. And they've been talking about it on Twitter, and they're really upset with a lot of things. Um, so it's really like it's a really heavy loaded topic that like there's just way too much to talk about. But I think that, in general, like they're being very coy about like trying to <laughs> like get like get through the waves of criticism to be to be like, oh, yeah, this game's okay. There's really no issues here when there are yeah
0: yeah i mean that's and again i so i'm in a similar boat as you right now and that i actually confess i i mean i'm old enough i mean but <laughs> i'm older than you are but i actually don't know much about this battle so if nothing else this game uh is going to i mean i my plan now because i'm gonna you know, this video games are my job obviously uh <laughs> that's what i'm doing here and so the game is going to uh, without even playing the game, I'm going to really educate myself on this and research this because I do want to sit down uh, with with Peter and with Jamie and with Marty. Like I want to sit down with these guys and talk talk through this because I know Jamie and Marty pretty well from over the years, from Halo and then from from Golem when they spun off to do their own thing. So I do want to educate myself on this and really be able to have a serious conversation with them about it. But, yeah, it is, it's just, it's a, I mean, number one, I want to ask Peter, like, wha- like, what is it about this that he is stuck with this idea and this project for so long? I mean, I can't think of a time, I mean, there have been games that have been canceled and come back, I think. Can't immediately think of an example, but I'm sure it's happened. But after 10 years, and and especially the circumstances under which, I mean, this game got announced and then quickly was just like, nope, forget that. not a, We're not doing that. And then here it is with a totally new team, same story, same premise, but new development team, obviously new technology. I mean, if you look at the trailer, I would encourage everybody to at least watch the trailer because what I would yeah. say about that is to everything we're talking about here with regard to Highwire uh, and, and their their... The fact that they really need to take this very seriously, with a lot of respect and a lot of reverence, I do think the trailer tries to convey that. You may think it it doesn't succeed in that. You may think it does, yeah. but the trailer shows off what appears to be a very pretty game, uh, and a game that is that that features you know, the, the likenesses of these original of these soldiers that were there, these real life soldiers. And the the trailer has some little interview snippets with some of them, so there is clearly an attempt being made to treat this with the the, the reverence and respect and seriousness with which it deserves. Um, and the game I wanted to circle back to, to really kind of frame this back in a in an Xbox video game context. I think I don't know if this might be uh, this might be too too old a game for you two youngins, but. I know our (laughs) some of our listeners out there will remember this. There is a game in uh, 2005, I think it was, because I just looked this up again recently. But I reviewed it for OXM. Uh, It's called Full Spectrum Warrior. Do either have either of you played Full Spectrum Warrior? Nope. Nope. (laughs) No. Okay. Then that's okay. So this game was. It started. I'll get tell you the just super quick story. It's. It was a game that started life as a training tool for the united states army and the, the what the game is it's a strategy game where you control a squad of soldiers uh in i think it was in the game it's just the generic like clearly middle east i don't believe it's a specific place and full spectrum Warrior is not specifically set like after a real world event so that's that's another additional challenge that Six Days in Fallujah has is, is by grounding itself that much in a real thing. But but Full Spectrum Warrior w- was excellent. And what it was, it was the developer was Pandemic, who was an extremely well-respected, high-quality developer. Uh, they did Mercenaries back in the day. They did, uh, I believe they did Destroy All Humans. I think that was them. But they did full spectrum warrior. It was they did it for the. It was a training tool that the military used for uh, because the the game is you're moving through these combat zones and you have to. It's literally all positioning. You don't actually officially like pull the trigger to shoot. You kind of do. You kind of can go into like a camera mode and then say you want to kind of shoot in this area, but you're not actually aiming and shooting in full spectrum warrior but it's it's a tactics game like if you screw up if you put your guys in the wrong spot they're going to get shot and killed and it's so it's it, it is a really serious thing even though these aren't i mean they're not real people but they're it's full spectrum warrior i think did a great job in its day of of treating this real military thing with with respect and and reverence And so I think that's if Peter Tomta and Highwire have not spent time playing Full Spectrum Warrior, I think they should. Because again, it's not, it's not quite apples to apples, but it's, there's, there's, there are lessons to be learned there. And I know there are plenty of people in our audience who did play Full Spectrum Warrior and know what I'm talking about right now, but yeah, this, this is going to be an interesting story to follow uh, in that it's, so it's it's Peter Tomta's basically publishing it himself under the company uh, Victura. So it's you know it's not a major publisher releasing this game. They do intend to release it this year, 2021. So we'll see about that.
1: Um, but I was, uh, go I ahead, had, Miranda. Yes, I was going to say really quickly for further reading kind of thing. Um, the Rami, so Rami Ismail on Twitter, and also Daniel Ahmad um, E X on Twitter. Uh, they both have really great threads kind of digging into the complexities and like relating direct news stories to um, bits of this interview. So uh, just if you want to dig into this a little further, but have somebody do some of that research for you. <laughs> I think that's like a really great breakdown of or two different perspectives of a breakdown of this um, interview as well.
0: Excellent. Yeah, thank you. And that's uh, and we'll leave it at that because that's yeah, I I want to go educate myself some more. I got to I want to try and get a hold of, of Jamie and Marty and Peter and Yes. talk through this but yeah it's it's this is i i never in a million years you could have said what game like you could show me a list of canceled xbox games and say which one of these games would never come back six days in fallujah would have been one of the games at the top of my list that i thought would never possibly get resurrected but here we are 10 years later more than that 11 years later 12 even and it's uh it is reannounced and it's it's back in development and it's coming out so We'll be keeping an eye on that. This week's podcast unlocked is brought to you by NordVPN. Hey, if you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts, NordVPN is a great way to go. You can use NordVPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events, TV shows, films that aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country that is. No buffering or lagging while you're streaming, and it will stop your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, so that is a super affordable, great way to go. To get the best discount off of your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash unlocked, without the E, that's n-o-r-d-v-p-n dot com slash u-n-l-o-c-k-d, And that'll give you four extra months on the two-year plan. And best of all, there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. NordVPN.com slash unlocked without the E. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind.
1: This is the story of
0: Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Let's talk about something a little more lighthearted, shall we? And that is something that I personally am really happy to see. Uh, and that is a new Xbox wireless headset. And uh, Miranda, can you, do you have the details pulled up here to go through this thing?
1: I am working on that right now. I'll set, up, you I'll set it first. up
0: for you. So it's, it's a hundred bucks, which the, so is Sony's Pulse 3D. It, it's, it is, sounds pretty similar in a lot of ways to Sony's wireless headset. Uh and that's not a bad thing. I mean I I I I mention it I mentioned Sony by comparison because it's just like both now have a first party wireless headset that can be used for for chat, but also just high quality game audio as well. Yes. Hundred bucks, it's out March 16th. And uh yeah, what what other details do you have there, Miranda?
1: Oh goodness, they did not make this easy. There is no bullet point list here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I will say it is a sleek looking headset and I do like the slight green detail around the actual earpieces like it looks very comfortable Um, of course you got that built in mic Uh, let's see there's an auto mute feature that you can do with the microphone That's actually really great for game stuff no munching on those chips but
0: (laughs) that would be nice we've
1: all heard it I know you can hear it right now I'm sorry
2: (laughs) oh
1: goodness um, yeah,
0: I, I, I like that uh, they do say that the overall aesthetic is designed to be quote intentionally understated. I yes. personally, in basically all things, I'm very much a fan of minimalism in in product design. So I I love the Series X from an aesthetic perspective. Um, I think it's a gorgeous console, and yes. in large part because it's minimalist. Um, I'm not saying the PS5 is ugly. I'm just saying I like the because the, the PS5 is definitely not minimalist, but I I like the Series X, I like minimalist stuff, um and and so yeah it's it's just a, in fact if yeah there's just the, the Xbox logo isn't even like it's it's the same color it's just black on black and it's recessed into the it looks ear cup so, so, so good. yeah it's just you can barely even see it unless you're looking at it. All and right, it seems so- like a really good headset.
1: Yes. Uh, So this supports Windows Sonic, Dolby Atmos, and the DTS Headphone X. The trio of 3D audio systems available on Xbox, says our IGN news story. Um, The Also, some other cool things is that you can also connect to your phone and the console at the same time. This is the best part. So if you have your phone ready, it's just like, man, I want to talk on Discord. This is my place. This is where we're, we're connecting already. So you can have it connect to both places at the same time, which huge <laughs> or listen
0: to yes, music yeah. off your phone yes. too right yes you do it yeah, that so way
1: that's yeah. so
0: nice yeah I like that a lot um now cam do you think is this what's your sound setup are these appealing to you
2: um uh, yeah so like you know I do a bunch of gaming on my PC like through streaming and things like that but I still have my again I have my series s out here I have my series X uh in my bedroom so uh so this is like a great you know, I use my Astros for like my workspace for the most part, but like this is a great little headset that's you know not super expensive that I can also buy that specifically for my like couch gaming, uh, you know my couch gaming sessions. Uh, and again, like with the amount of support that it has, it's wireless, which is huge. Like I am very, I hate wired he- like headsets yeah. so much. Mm-hmm. So um, that's huge. All for a hundred dollars. Sign me up. I'm d- I'm down. I'm ready.
0: Yeah. The uh. Yeah, you, you got to go wireless in 2021. I mean, there's just no, <laughs> there's no, you can't sell a wired thing anymore. Um, yeah, I I hate that I want these because, because I shouldn't have to want them mm-hmm. because if the Series X just had an optical port, I could just use my old Astros. And I know some of the newer Astros can get a firmware update and they can work with the, with the Series X. Mine are too old. So I have actually since launch, since November, it's been what, three months? Uh, I have not I have not been doing I've just been using TV audio, which I mean, most of the time I'm on it is after my wife and daughter go to bed. So it's been not ideal for me. So these I, I don't like the <laughs> the reason that I need that I want them, but they do seem great. And um and um and they they seem like they're checking off all the boxes that Miranda talked about. Uh, these, yeah, these seem excellent. I cannot wait to get my hands on these. So again, we got exactly one month to go. They're out March 16th.
1: I also like how the mic folds up and into the actual earphone. Uh, my only concern with these is that I have a very small head. So I don't know if these would fit me comfortably, but I do like them. And there are some photos of uh, some female models wearing them and that maybe looks like it would be too big for me, but who can say until if I, if I maybe buy it, who, who knows?
0: Well, <laughs> to, I will say it, optimistically speaking, Miranda, Microsoft has not just said but shown a, a big focus on accessibility, whether it's yes. whether it's you know they tweak the the series X controller down to be you know a little more ergonomic with more more types of and sizes of hands uh, and all the other various, you know the, the of course, there's the accessibility controller they even the packaging, you know we saw when, when we got our series X's and how, how all the accessibility stuff on the packaging. So I would imagine that they've taken they've taken something like that into consideration. so i'm I'm hopeful that these are gonna work well for you.
1: Oh, too. Yes.
0: so yeah, if you' if you want they can pre-order them now. if you're interested, uh, I am going to do that. see if I can uh, if I can't get a review unit from Microsoft and if not, I'll probably end up just buying them because these, these, are, these totally solve my, my exact problem, um, which, I, which makes me happy. Uh, let's move forward here. Everybody likes it when we talk about Bethesda, because that's, that's the big joyous megaton celebration that we all got to have fun with late last year when Microsoft acquired all of ZeniMax. Well, legal documents indicate that Microsoft intends to create a new wholly owned subsidiary called Vault. To complete its ZeniMax Media acquisition, it's not clear if ZeniMax will be known as Vault after the deal closes, or if this is just some sort of like umbrella thing or what. But the apparently the European Union, so on the Europe side of things, currently deciding whether to approve the seven and a half billion dollar acquisition that we found out back in found out about back in September. Documents seen on the EU law website refer to the logistics of the acquisition mentioning a merger pursuant to which a newly created Microsoft subsidiary Vault will be merged with and into Zenimax. So it's not quite clear exactly how that's going to work, but the Vault subsidiary would be certainly a good way to house Microsoft's new acquisitions under one quasi independent banner uh, affording Zenimax Studios a level of freedom while still being owned by Microsoft and it does the the text Explicitly states in this legalese that Microsoft will acquire quote sole control of the whole of Zenimax. Uh, the document suggests they will be accomplishing this via the Vault subsidiary. So as soon as this thing passes the all the legal hurdles, I'm sure we will we will hear more. Cam, uh, Microsoft seems to have a thing for naming naming. So companies after the games they work on. Yeah. Or the parts
2: of the the parts of games. Yeah, it's uh you know, it's it's cool. Like I'm I'm down about it. Like uh it's one of those things where like, you know, three four three I get, three for three guilty spark, like, you know, the coalition I get. The vault the vault is just like it it's because, cool I I guess I feel like, you know, people I don't know. I think that's an interesting poll, like how how people would um would people see, Beth- when people think Bethesda, do they think Fallout or do they think Elder Scrolls more? Because to right. me, as someone who doesn't really play either because arachnophobia things, I from an outside perspective, I see it as Elder Scrolls. I see that Elder Scrolls mm-hmm. is like the the bigger franchise under Bethesda. So, um, but I feel like that Vault is just like more, but you know, it it's an easier name to come up with. I guess yeah. maybe that that's it. Um, that that they decided to do it under uh, Fallout because Fallout is still iconic. Like you know, that's definitely not a a bad move. Uh, but it's cool. It's great. Uh, you know, seeing this you know um, acquisition finally like like slowly but surely wrap things up and get the little bow on top. And uh, you know, at this point, it's just waiting to see what uh, who Microsoft is going to acquire next.
0: Yeah, I guess uh, if they'd gone the Elder Scrolls route, the a, a subsidiary called Fusro Da doesn't really roll off the tongue quite as easily.
2: Dragonborn, dragonborn. Yeah. Born.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's, you know, tur- even even like turn 10 isn't technically like part of Forza, but it kind of is because it's like, it's. I believe turn 10, oh, now I'm blanking. I think it it's referring specifically to a turn on one of the super famous tracks. It might be Laguna Seca. I can't remember now, but anyway, yeah, Microsoft seems to have an affinity for for naming companies after after famous parts of games, but but yeah, we should be finding out more about this uh, this acquisition finalization fairly soon, and then hopefully that'll clear the way. We'll start hearing about Starfield and whatever else they've got they've got cooking up over there. Next this week, let's see. Yeah, we still got some time. Well, Ubisoft does not want to be quite as reliant on AAA game releases as it has in the past and will instead look more closely at free-to-play games and its back catalog in order to make money. So in their most recent earnings call following the company's Q3 financial results, Ubisoft said that its plans for fiscal 22, which is in real life, April 2021, through March, 2022 included three AAA game releases. But in the future, Ubisoft d- doesn't want AAA games to be the focus of the business model. They say, quote, we said for a number of years that our normal template is to come with either three or four AAA games. So we'll stick to that, that plan for fiscal 2022. This is a quote from their CFO, Frederick Duguay. Uh But we see that they are that, but we see that we are progressively continuously moving from a model that used to be only focused on AAA releases to a model where we have a combination of strong releases from AAA and strong back catalog dynamics, but also complementing our program of new releases with free-to-play and other premium experiences. Uh, Miranda, does this this make you nervous, hearing that Ubisoft wants to lean harder into free-to-play and old stuff?
1: When I first heard about it's like they don't want to be relying on AAA game releases. Like, oh, cool. They want to do shorter, maybe smaller experiences, maybe get into the indie space or like kind of like champion those developers, explore different ways to develop games. No, free to play games and old games. Uh...
0: Hyperscape
2: went well. (laughs) So, (laughs) not not, not feeling good camp yeah i was, was kind of in a similar boat where i was just like yes they're bringing back the indie games bringing out like they're like give us a child of light sequel give us a new valiant hearts game like give us what? that that's what i've been waiting for and then they're just like oh we're going free to play i'm just like <laughs> but hey we got scott pilgrim back and that's a big win that's so um but yeah that's what i really want like i really want another like valiant hearts type game or like another new game that's like from that studio was just really good. So,
1: And to, exactly to your point, Cam, like some of the back catalog, like re-releasing things or making them more available, that's fine. But yes, give us those really neat, interesting small games. So I know Ubisoft is really big on those massive open worlds, like explore everything. Here's a billion collectibles for you. Um, but, but you could do the other things too. That, that's also an option. Just throwing yeah. that out there.
0: I mean, I get it in a, in, in a sort of just cold-hearted business sense of right, right. AAA game development is extremely risky because it's very expensive and if something doesn't work, you're out a ton of money. Like I get that free-to-play is a little more, I guess, just less risky and certainly mining your old stuff is less risky in that it's known quantity and it's cheaper to put that stuff out. And again, it's not that they're shunning AAA game development, but, but still, I mean, we saw Cam. I mean, you remember the, the beginning, the early part of the Xbox one generation when it seemed like Capcom was doing nothing, but just like crapping out their old stuff.
2: Yeah, like they, what, it was like they did them. That's when like the Mega Man collections came out, right? Around yeah. that time. Cause they, I mean, that was still like, you know, it was going on older consoles even before that, I believe, or at least like the Nintendo 3DS. But regardless, um, yeah, I do, I do remember that. And then people were just kind of like, what's up with Capcom? And then like in recent years with like Resident Evil 7, Village, like, yeah, they've uh, come back. They've come back, you know, um, so, uh, but yeah it's, it's one of the things like i will never complain about games getting ported because i'm like a big person that's like worried about game uh, preservation and things like that um, but yeah it I, you know i think that a lot of people would get a child of light too a lot of people would buy a new valiant hearts like that that you know that umbrella i forgot what it was called like was it like ub, UB art arts? right ub arts yeah the ub yes. arts Bring all those back, like let them work on new things, and I'm sure that people would would get them.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it, if now if they're gonna bring back old stuff, now they are they are bringing back Prince of Persia Sands of Time, which is uh, one of the absolute gems from their back catalog, as a remake too, not a remaster. But yeah. you guys both remember the reveal trailer for that at the second UB. What the hell were those called again? The the Ubisoft press conferences—they gave them some like, name. Oh,
2: Oh. <laughs> like we can't even remember. That's how. Did that's you, probably not a good sign for them. Showcase or something. I don't know. Like anyway, I know. yeah. They <laughs> just
1: called the Ubisoft press conference.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's like, yay, Prince of Persia: Sands of Time remake. Oh, it looks more like a remaster than a remake. Yeah. Well, uh, it already it had already been delayed once. Now uh, it's delayed again indefinitely oh, i mean that's not to say like forever but they're just they're not putting a new date on it yet they say that we have made the decision to shift the release for prince of persia the sands of time remake to a later date the extra development time will enable our teams to deliver a remake that feels fresh while remaining faithful to the original is originally going to be out uh, actually it was originally going to be out already and then they would pushed it to march 18th and now it's when it's done but um so here's the one if Ubisoft is going to, and loyal listeners know what I'm about to say, and that's why they're gonna they're smiling already. If if Ubisoft's gonna go to that back catalog, and they're clearly okay with remaking and not just remastering,
2: you're gonna say Splinter Cell.
0: Yeah, exactly. I am. <laughs> yes, specifically Chaos Theory because yeah. it's the best one. Uh, remake it in Unreal Engine Five. You cowards, do it. <laughs> <laughs> I dare you to do it. Now, uh, it's not all that far-fetched because the original Splinter Cell trilogy, uh, including Chaos Theory, was on Unreal Engine 2.5 back in... Because this is 15 years ago now. 2005 was the Chaos Theory. So move it all over to Unreal Engine 5. Remake it in there. The le- it, would, it would look insane. It'd be the best... You'd be resurrecting the greatest stealth game of all time.
2: That's what they need to do. That's what I'm so, calling for. Uh, and I won't rest until it happens. So one thing I do <laughs> want to mention as well, Ubisoft Forward. That's what their showcases are called. Ubisoft. Uh,
1: okay. I, I will say the only old Ubisoft game that I really have any love for is Pets. Like the cats. The really? Z. I <laughs> loved those games as a kid. Like those are, that was my thing. I Were loved they on like so, Game so Boy
0: Advance or DS or something?
1: Yeah, they were they were on on different handhelds and then I think I played it on PC. I don't remember, but I know like specifically Pets with the Z. Yeah. That was the stuff.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean like for, for me on the remake side like I mean it it got a remaster recently enough that it would it wouldn't happen. I could see a remake coming at like way farther down the line, but I would love a remake of the Ezio trilogy for Assassin's oh, Creed. oh yeah heck yeah super great <laughs> games oh well like specifically two and brotherhood i think are still like top of the franchise for me uh and revelations is also really great so that, that'd be really cool to see oh yeah seeing renaissance
0: italy redone in modern tech that would be that would be very cool i would i would certainly be right there with you for that one um all right let's move so yeah we've that's it we've put out We've we've sh- shined the the SAM signal the the, the three go- the three green light goggles into the sky. We've made our requests. <laughs> Ubisoft, get to work. If you're going to mind the back catalog, this is what needs to be done. <laughs> All right. Uh, unlock block trivia time for a technical reason. I won't explain. We're uh, we're going to have to hold the loot box till next week. But I want your loot box questions, and it's it, they're they're video questions. You get to be on the podcast. You send them in via Yappa, So just go, if you just Google IGN Unlocked 482, you'll find this episode's page on IGN. Go to the bottom, right above the comments. You'll see you can just leave a Yappa video comment and uh, just ask us your your question, your Xbox question for the panel, and you might be featured on an upcoming show. But first, Unlock Block Trivia, which we didn't get to last week, so I do want to make sure we get to that today. Brandon Tyrell, who couldn't be on, will unfortunately have to uh, will Thank have y'all. to grit his teeth. But if anybody <laughs> gets any points this week, <laughs> Trevor from Saskatoon in uh, Saskatchewan, Canada, asks a very good Xbox trivia question. It's a test of your knowledge of 360 launch titles for both of you. Which okay. of the following games was not? released for the 360s launch back on november 22nd 2005 so three of these were out on the 22nd of november on launch day one of them was not tell me which one wasn't so was it dead rising was it condemned criminal origins game i have, have very near and dear to my heart uh cameo elements of power what's up rare and quake 4 so cam i'm gonna go your way first on this one any thoughts here do you think you know this one God, can you
2: can you say can you say the answers one more time? I'm yeah. Gonna... So
0: uh, again, three of these were launch titles. Tell me the one that okay. wasn't. Dead Rising. Okay. Condemned. Cameo
2: okay. or Quake Four. Let me get the scoring pulled up here. I'm going to trust my gut and say Cameo. Cameo is okay. my answer. Miranda, do you know this one?
1: Little Miranda did not have a launch Xbox, and nor does current miranda that's me (laughs) know what this is i'm sorry i'm very weird uh i'm gonna go with be condemned
0: because it's near and dear to you ryan well i appreciate that so in 2021 how many shows have we done we've done like five or six shows at this point i know i should learn this by now so far only miranda is on the board by the way let's 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 uh let everybody put everybody else on notice Cam, I know you've just been on for a few weeks. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna cut you a break.
1: Yeah. But Brandon
0: Tyrell, (laughs) even Destin, (laughs) before he he had a went on paternity leave, Miranda's got one point. That is the sum total of our scoring so far Mm. up Mm. to this point. And now with this week's question, testing your knowledge of Xbox 360 launch titles, you both managed to get it
2: wrong. I'm I'm sorry. Wait, did one of us (laughs) get get it right? Because you made it sound like it's different
0: now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Dead Rising is the correct answer. Dead Rising came out in August of 2006. So within the first year, but not a day one launch title. Yeah, Condemned was day one. Cameo was day one, along with uh, Perfect Dark Zero. There were two rare games at launch. And yes, Quake 4, which is, of course, a port of the PC first-person shooter Raven did that port, and that was out on day one. So, unfortunately, Seriously. I'm I'm disappointed in both of you. <laughs> yeah.
2: Cameo was the first, the only game I never heard of, so I was just like, oh, uh, that sounds like a launch title game, you know.
1: <laughs> I was on the fence about Dead Rising, but I just I just didn't know. I was like, mm, mm, it's hard.
2: Well, sure, it's <laughs> yeah, I knew that Dead Rising Two was like what thousand eight, so I was just like, well, it's gotta be. It's got to be, uh, so when I thought Dead Rising, I was like, oh, that sounds about right, you know? That sounds like a good amount of time in between two games. <laughs> right. Well, sadly,
0: not this time, but uh, good job yep. Trevor from Saskatoon stumping the panel this week. And if any of you out there have an Xbox trivia question that you'd like to try and keep this losing streak going for the, for the panelists, try and stump them, send your question in. The email address is unlocked at IGN.com. Please include your question for multiple choice answers and then note the correct one in your email. Ah, That'll wrap it up. We've got uh, one minute left in the show. So for me, you can find me on Twitter if you're interested at DMC underscore Ryan. I don't think I have any real IGN stuff to plug at the moment. So I will throw it instead to Cam.
2: Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Camp Final Mix, and I stream on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Camp Final Mix. Brilliant. Miranda, take us home.
1: You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch, uh, specifically every Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays, um, at Haffik Grows, and that's Havoc with the K.
0: Love it. Good stuff. Well, it's... Uh... We're here in February. There is a long, hopefully excellent year of Xbox gaming ahead of us, although things are, it does seem like things are a little quiet for the time being, but it seems like there's never any shortage of fun stuff to at least talk about on Unlocked each week. So join us back here next week for what'll be episode 483. But until then, for Cam and for Miranda, I'm Ryan. This was Unlocked 482. We'll see you next week.
2: Hey folks, I'm Yen And I'm Nat And we're the hosts of Comic Sans The podcast about comics for those who are Sans knowledge Comic
0: Sans is a show for people who know nothing about comics, like me And
2: people who love them, like me, and want to learn more about them What makes you an authority on comic books? I read them, write them, live them, breathe them What makes you the authority on knowing nothing? Honestly, Yen, two seasons in, I actually know a little more than I used to You're welcome The reason for that is that every episode I make Nat read one of my favorite comics Like Daredevil Saga or This One Summer And then he tells me what makes that comic so special And then I hear what Nat thinks and I try to avoid a pulmonary embolism While I actively try to give him one You can listen to the second season of Comic Sans now With new episodes every two weeks Wherever you get your podcasts
0: You know, Yen, I think I know so much about comics now that this might have to be our last
2: season Nat, there will forever be more comic than you will ever know
0: What does that even mean?
2: I don't know, it sounds profound though, right?